Good evening, global citizens. It is I again, United States International Medical Diplomat and President of TAF International 2020 Organization. I am honored today as this year comes to an end to have Ms. Hannah Akuziola Gilberts, who is a Nigerian mother who is here to share a story, a painful, but also a powerful story with us. Good evening, Hannah. How are you? Thank God for life. Good evening. I thank God for life. That's just what I can say now. And so please let us know what is your story? Because I know it's a very painful story and it's a very powerful story and it's a story that expands many, many years. But we have to focus on giving the important facts to the audience so that they don't get lost in your pain. Yes, my story is very painful and it's also a long story, but I will try to to make it clear and uh, as short as possible. I'm just a person who a woman who grew up in Nigeria, was raised in Nigeria and uh, I grew up in a royal family, Christian family, where my father and my mother are the heads of a church. They opened a church by themselves, a Christian church by themselves and we are running it and we as their children we are also being helpful around with the church and everything. I'm a church woman, that's how I I know myself as. So at a time a woman came, a woman came with boys, mental illness, she's sick and came to our church where my father and my mother run it and deceived my father into having a blood covenant and married her by force. So what is a blood covenant? Because we have to remember, I don't know it. And I know that there are going to be millions of people who have never heard that before. So let's try to remember that we're speaking to a very international audience, a global audience, right? So please explain to us what that is. This type of blood covenant is people... Um, harming themselves, bringing out their blood and exchanging it by licking it. Uh, they lick, you lick the person's blood and the person licks your own blood. So this woman forced my father to do so, so as to trust her that this would, this is a trust for the marriage and for the love for her, that this will show that they trust each other. So this happened. Okay, so this sounds like witchcraft and stuff which I don't believe in, I don't really have time for. I think that there are facts and there's religion. Um, I don't know what the audience are going to say about that, but I guess let's continue uh, with the story. So what happened next? Uh, This thing happened, there was a lot of problems. Um, The woman also was interested in marrying my my older brother or my uncle. So this was going on before you knew it my uncle that my uncle died and before we knew it he used poison for my father and also because of uh, she's needing royal uh, she exploited my father and the whole family and my father's best friend as well had the same problem with another woman who's a friend of that other woman then before you know it all of them were murdered by poisoning 
So after this happened, everywhere became very difficult for us. So I couldn't gain admissions to study in the university in in nigeria and my brothers some of them managed some of them couldn't as well and my father my mother was suffering by then my father has died and uh, at last i gained some admissions in europe and and uk but the one that worked for me uh, that i got visa was poland so when i then in 2008 my father died in 2004. In 2008, then I had that admission to go and study in Polish University that is affiliated to, that has connections with US as well. So I went to the, I went to the... Sorry, so what did you study? You got an admission to a European university, but you couldn't get it at home. Yeah. So what was that admission and what university was it? Uh, the university was Skabek University. It's a private university in Poland, so I got admission to study two, two operations and hotel management, although I wanted to study law previously, so I couldn't get that. I got this one because it is in English language. So uh, my family church and my, my mother and my brothers rallied up and paid my school fees, so I went for it. Okay, so um, please let us know what church this is and what city in Poland you studied in. These are very important facts for the audience to know now before we go deeper. And there was a church, uh, the woman who killed my father wanted to use to collect um, uh, our church. And I go into that church as well sometimes. So when I went to Poland, I found that church since my, my father's church is not in, in Poland. So I found another church within Christian Church of God uh, from Nigeria. And I started attending the church and going to school in Poland. So the name of the church is Redeemed Christian Church of God. Of God. Okay, yes. and what city in Poland is your university in? This, uh, my university was in Warsaw, and that church, which I used to go to in, in, in Nigeria, apart from my own father's church that he opened, uh, was also in Warsaw. So I said, okay, I will be going to school and also have the church from Nigeria to attend because it's easy for me in Poland. So uh, I continued, everything was not easy for me. I was formerly a teacher in Nigeria before I left. I taught children and to adults in Nigeria for eight years. I graduated from National Teachers Institute in, in Nigeria before I left Nigeria. Okay, so what... Um it was just going a little fast for me. Sorry, I just had to stop to ask what you studied. What were you teaching in uh, Nigeria? What course? Nigeria, I was teaching uh, primary school students, general primary school students. And for adults, I was teaching government. Yeah, I was teaching government, which is almost the same thing as teaching politics. Okay. Yeah. So um, this was what I was doing. So when I went to Poland, uh, the only job of opportunity I found quickly after working temporarily in a restaurant was teaching again. So I started teaching English language in, in Poland, going to school. And it's not, it was not easy for me because we don't, my family don't really have this money to sponsor me. So I had to work full time and most of the time study full time as well. But uh, it was clashing, it was very difficult. Most of the courses, they were not fully done, but okay, God helped me. I managed to finish and came out of the university. 
So when I finished the first degree, I proceeded to second degree in, in a USA um, Polish university known as Clark University. So Clark University, I managed as well. It was very difficult for me, but I managed to come out of Clark and finished the courses. So, you know, as a woman is growing up, a decent woman, if you're growing up and you are educated, you are working, even if you are not educated, any decent, responsible woman, you want to be married, you want to have children, you want to have a responsible life. So, before I started making this plan for myself, so I met somebody uh, who was introduced to me because I went on holiday from my work. My work gave me, my work in Poland made me a preschool coordinator in Poland. So they gave me two weeks holiday and told me to go and rest before the school will reopen. So I used this rest to go and fix my, 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 my immigration issues in Norway because in Norway I can get visa to come back and apply to, to apply for, for, for resident permits to extend it for my study. So I went to Norway, I met this guy who is a Nigerian whom I have seen him for a short time in Poland as well, but I didn't know he was in Norway. So I, because I went to another redeemed church in Norway for a short while, I'm looking for a church to go for while I'm holy, on holiday in Norway. So I, I did, another pastor introduced me to this Nigerian man who said he wants to come back to Poland and do his uh, gospel gospel musical career so I, I i encouraged him yes you can come back he's good we are i am also in the choir of the church so you can come back i can help him okay so just um this nigerian man that you met was first in poland and then you ran into him in norway yes. when you went to do your visa yes. Yes. and then you decided were you um was this situation interesting to you because you both share a history of religion? Maybe yeah. you're a pastor's daughter and he's a man of religion yeah. and that's why, that okay. That is good. And he speaks Igbo language. He speaks my own native language. He's from my own native place. Okay. So um, I, ra I ran into him. They, they, another pastor introduced him to me. So... He said to me, okay, that he wants to come back to Poland to do his music career. That I, I said, okay, yes, he can come because in Poland I already go to church and uh, I'm responsible for the children in the church, children's department in the church. I look after the children in the church on Sundays and during that the time we have meetings. And that I'm also a choir, a, a choir uh, a, I am in the choir as well so that I, I would call the choir members to help him he said yes he already knows most of the choir members in Poland I said okay then this man came back and uh, I was doing his musical career helping him he produced his first CD in Poland so and I called these other people as well they were trying to help sometimes they left two of us uh, they, they left two of us because it was very difficult because people have different things they were doing for themselves as well. So before I knew it, uh, we were talking about we are being close to each other, but he denied me. Uh, he denied me because he had interest in other other people, other, other women around me. So, okay, no problem. That should not cause any problem. But what happened was that one of the Polish women there and other women, they gathered up and fought me and said that I'm, I'm, 
um, and accused me falsely of mental illness because that I, I need to leave him alone, that I need to leave that man alone. Okay, so I'm trying to understand. A fellow Nigerian man of God, like you are a woman of God, right? You met in a foreign country, and I guess you're hoping someone who comes from your culture, he should understand you well, he should appreciate you, maybe respect you well, because you're from the same space in a foreign country. He decided, and you speak the same language, and that's Igbo, right? So he decided to gang up on you with polish people and have you considered as a crazy person thank you i i I haven't even told you the depth of it it's you who has you know the depth of it already um adren i have not told adren exactly like this but this this thing adren is explaining that was what happened what happened i'm trying to just listen as the audience listen and ask questions Yeah, I can't believe it. Yeah, I'm just trying to listen as the audience are listening, right? Just to make sure that all the little questions that they're going to have that are important for your story, I'm asking it as we go. Okay, so as the story goes now, you have been, you are now ganged up on socially by socially by a by the polish sorry the nigerian man and his and his group of polish people and they have considered you to be a crazy person so not only have they accused you of being mentally ill but they have also physically abused you is that correct they they physically abused me twice it wasn't enough for them they now made arrangement to lock me up in a mental hospital so they would invite me to come and sing with them when I come, they have already made plans with the police and with the ambulance to, to take me away. And I don't have anybody. It's only me. I don't have anybody. Okay, so did you go to the church? The redeemed yeah. Christian church yeah. of God, right? Did you go to the church? Was, was the church part of this pain that you're going through now? Yeah. yeah. And that's why you had no one, yeah. to, nowhere to turn nobody, to, not even, to not even your church. Yeah. They, they did it with the church, and I remembered what happened with the church. You have heard, as many of you are listening, you have heard what I said with the, that particular church, but I didn't, we're not counting for anybody. We just wanted life to continue on. So this happened. They, uh, after the whole incident, I was released from the hospital where they locked me up. So how, many, how long were you in the hospital, and what were the medical terms that were used as reasons why you had to be in a psychiatric hospital what did they tell you you had yeah firstly this the medical people said that uh, that they said that i'm mentally ill that i'm hypocritic they use the word hypocritic and mental yeah but hypocrisy is not a mental yeah, illness it's a personality it's a personality trait right yeah. so being a hypocrite does not make you mentally ill and mentally ill is not is very vague no one should say that you are mentally ill and that's the end of it they need to have a specific term for it and a specific type because if someone wants to say that you are crazy because they just want to say you're crazy then i think we're all a little crazy because we're all suffering from some kind of mental issue like stress covid our lives have changed some of us have lost people so it's a struggle but if someone says this is the specific medical psychological psychiatric term that i have for you 
then I can start going in defense or no defense in your case. But someone cannot just say, you are mentally ill, lock her up. Yeah. It shouldn't work like that. That's, that's what they did. They said that I'm mentally ill. And in the process of doing this, I was being scared. I lost my dad, my job, that my good job that made me uh, a second time uh, preschool coordinator in another school. That was the second time in Poland. And it's difficult to get such a kind of job in Poland. So what school was this in Poland? It was called Kids College. And was that in Warsaw also? Yeah, it's in Warsaw because previously I was also a preschool coordinator in another school, in another school called Kids Academy. Then Kids College recruited me and gave me back that position. Then doing these things, I lost my job because I'm I have uh, my heart is I'm 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 a very I get scared easily. I get scared easily in trouble. So I lost that job, lost where I was living. Because once you lose your job, you are paying for your rent. You're no more able to have money to pay for rent. So I lost my accommodation as well. So nobody helped me. I couldn't, uh, I became, I started looking poor, could, and I was evicted from the place where I'm living. So with all these problems that are going on right now, which are gigantic problems for anyone to have, especially someone who's a foreigner in a foreign continent. Do you know what I mean? When you are, it's like you already stand out in a continent that you feel is not historically yours. And then you have to go through all of these things alone, I guess. But you can't even go to the church that you associate with back home. But what about your consulate or your embassy? Yeah, we, as ta- this was happening, uh, I contacted my embassy. The doctors in the hospital told me to call my embassy. So the doctor by themselves made a provision for me to call my embassy. I called my embassy, so told them everything. My embassy, they were angry about what happened. So, But they tried to make peace. Uh, the doctors in the hospital told me never to go back to that church again never to associate with those people again that is very dangerous for me, that they are really very dangerous. And they wanted to take them to court. But because I don't have money, I said I don't have money to run court court uh, administrations in Poland, and I don't speak Polish at that period. So we, uh, I left things like that. My family called from Nigeria. They, even, they trickily took my father family's phone number and told them in Nigeria and they were scared and we are crying and praying and praying my family because they don't have anything else they can do because they are poor people as well yeah but just going back to your consulate it's not enough for me that your consulate or your embassy was angry that that happened to you what action did they take because you know what happens when I'm in trouble when someone looks at me in a way that I think is racist, I write the United States Embassy and in a few minutes I get a reply and there's a phone call and there's a full investigation and a citizen is protected in a foreign land. I don't know if your embassy does that for you. I don't think so. My embassy wrote a letter and the letter they wrote a letter to the hospital. They wrote a letter to the hospital and gave the hospital gave me the copy of the letter. But all these things have lost, have gotten lost as a process of moving from one country to another. So this letter has uh, gotten lost. But they want me not to, with the doctors, not to go back to that church again or associate with those people. But when I came back, uh, my family called, everybody called. They said there should be peace since it's Nigerians that are owner of the church, the church that there should be peace. 
We tried to find peace, but it was not working, so I had to leave the church. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know that you don't... I keep stressing about what the consulate and what the embassy did or did not do because I'm a diplomat. And I know that you don't understand that part of this podcast, but that's why I'm stressing on it. For me, actually in diplomacy, forget about me, diplomatically, in diplomacy... You are a citizen, but not a diplomat. But technically, you're in a foreign land that is not yours, and your embassy has to do more than just call or write a letter. There has to be a situation where this will not happen to another Nigerian citizen in Poland ever again. How do we make sure that that happens? How do we make sure that that happens? I, personally, when I found out what was going on to African citizens in Spain, I took Spain to the European Union Court of Human Rights. I took the Kingdom of Spain, the government, and I did the same thing with the Republic of Hungary. It's not enough for an embassy for me to say, we have spoken to them or we wrote them. How can you assure that this will never happen to another one of your citizens ever again? You take that nation to the European Union Court. Now, if your if your consulate, if your embassy does not have that power, that's a different story. Because I'm trying to see what they have done so that I can see what we can do from now on. Because it is either one of two options that I see here. One is that my organization takes the Republic of Poland to the European Union Council, where they know me very well at this point. The Secretariat at the Human Rights Court, she knows me very well right now. So we present your case and we say, this is what has happened to you. Or we use the channel of diplomacy, which is me saying, I'm taking this to the right organization and that would be the United Nations. So we write the Polish ambassador to the United Nations. We present this podcast. She listens and she decides what can be done because I prefer diplomacy to the courts, to the politics, to everything else that has fallen because diplomats, we know it has to be done the correct and legal way because we can't, we don't have any other way to function. So I think that I've done my research and I know that the Polish ambassador to the United Nations is a woman. And I know that I have an aunt at the United Nations who is also a woman, a very powerful woman who has inspired me to be here fighting for women's rights. So I know she's going to listen at some point, but I think the best option to start with is to take it to the most powerful woman coming out of Poland with presidential power, and that's a woman at the United Nations. So I'm going to let you continue the story now so that we get um, the audience to understand the main point and the main objective of your story is just even beginning, the pain. Yeah. So, thank you. Um, when I came out of the hospital, uh, since my family and the embassy, everybody had said, let there be peace. We tried to make peace, but it was not working. So I had to stop going to the church. I took everything that belongs to me that I use in the church for my work, children's work and other things that I do. I left the church. But those people that put me swore, they swore, some of them sent people to come and tell me that they will not leave me that they would deal with me, that I will never be married to anybody because they would tell them that I am mentally ill, that even the authorities will not leave me, that they will make sure the authorities of uh, Poland will not leave me. So I have a question. This situation where you have been abused physically, you have been locked up in a mental hospital because someone says you're crazy, do you believe this is the making of this Nigerian man or do you think it's the Polish people around him who 
inflicted or affected, sorry, his thought. Because I'm trying to understand why two people who come from the same country find themselves in a foreign land, which I would think that you would most likely get along because you are in a foreign land and you have so much in common. Same language, same country, same a few other things. So do you believe it was his making or do you think it was because the Polish people wanted that to happen to you? So... Uh, after, after. So I'm just trying to understand. Do you think it was the man that made all of this happen, yeah, or was it because the Polish people affected his thinking? Uh, because most of these things they do it in Poland. They do it in Poland. For example, a foreigner once you are in trouble and uh, something happened, if they don't know the, what to do, they will arrest you because Poland has issue of uh, issue of non-tolerant to to foreigners. They have it so much, although they have good people as well in Poland. Yeah, you call it non-tolerance. I call it racism. Yeah. I don't know where I come from. We call it a racist, yeah. and I do know that in East Europe, their systems are very interesting so i have a lot of polish friends colleagues that i get along with exceptionally well they're amazing people but when you have a system where things are always extremes you are either going to meet the best people who are polish in the world or the worst of people and they happen to be polish and it was my same experience in hungary it's either you're not wanted or you're wanted there is no this is human rights This is how it works. This is how it works in Europe. This is how it is. So of course, I'm we are expressing what we believe and what we know based on our experiences because I did my medical studies in Budapest and you had been in Poland. So we are giving the Polish ambassador to the United Nations a fresh perspective of how people that might look like you and I tend to get treated in Poland because we're bringing in something to her attention. So, let's get to the main pain, the main reason why we had to sit down here to talk. Yeah. So, racism is a big issue in Poland. So, these people who cost the me to be in the system because once you are in the system is a problem. You they will not leave you. So, as time went on, I saw that I it was unsafe for me. Uh, I had to make it up my mind to settle down in Poland. I said, okay, I will settle down in Poland if I see somebody who is reasonable, be it Polish person that I don't mind, is a human being like me. So I started doing some work. There is the work I was doing because I, I opened my own foundation, my own charity in Poland. So it's called uh, Love Care Teach World International Christian Group. So I went and registered a foundation, a charity, and started because it was not sometimes easy to get work. So uh, I now have private students who come that I teach them at home. And I also have um, a, my, my room. I converted into, into because I studied to operator and hotel management. So I was using it to do a kind of B&B as well. A kind of B and B. So, from doing this job, I met what's B and B? Bed and breakfast. Oh, okay. So I was um, doing it as a business and paying tax. I was paying my tax and and uh, receiving uh, receiving uh, both uh, tax refunds as well. So, I met my husband doing this work 
that's how I met my Polish husband. So I later met a Polish man. I told him my story. I told him, see my story. I don't want to go back to this trouble. There is already trouble, but I need you to help me so that we will not go back to those kind of problems again. So I told my, my, my husband about how they took me by force to psychiatric hospital, what happened to me. So I told my my husband, Polish husband, after because I married after five years of that incident. So I told him, yes, there is problem. I have problem. The authorities haven't left me since so many years that what happened happened. So when, when I got pregnant, it increased. So they, they now said they want to safeguard my child and safeguard my husband from marrying me. So this was your church? Oh, oh. So it's the same church. Yeah, Five years later, you met a Polish man. You're ready to have a baby with him, yeah. and the church is still after you. Yeah, that those people, not not are not not the owner of Redeem, but those people that were involved. Yeah, so <laughs> they were still after after me, and Poland became hell for me, and I be, I was pregnant. The first pregnancy I had. They sent uh, security and they hit me. Security hit me and I miscarried twins. Yeah. I miscarried twins in Poland because of the same issue continued. Um, and the policeman, Polish policeman who came and saw me was trying to cry and tell me sorry, sorry, because I was assaulted. They organized people to security to assault me in Poland. He was telling me, sorry, don't make the pictures. That's it. it is very, very dangerous that what they did to me is very, very dangerous. I made some of the pictures in my camera. So after that, I got pregnant again with my husband. That was my first baby. They tried everything to put me back in mental hospital when I was pregnant. It didn't work. My husband didn't understand what was going on. But I told him, I told him what is going on. Yeah, I have a question. Um, so this husband of yours that knows that you had a miscarriage of twins the first time, what did he do, being a Polish man in his own country, what did he do for his partner, you speaking, um, what did he do for you in your defense when you had been, where was he? I have so many questions, but I'm just going to ask exactly. one or two. They assaulted me in a supermarket. They, I parked my car outside. They took him outside and were uh, searching him, telling him to bring out his document to ch check if he's Polish or not Polish. So while they were assaulting me inside the, inside the supermarket. So when I told him all the things, he, doesn't, he said, no, it's not true. It's not true. No, nobody has that kind of time in Poland. Nobody has that kind of time in Poland. But he knows Poland. And my husband lied to me that he's a, a, a master's degree graduate and married me. I did not know until we had our first child. That was when the truth came that he only finished primary school because I saw his behavior. He was behaving like a junkie. The way he's speaking, doing drugs, doing alcohol. He, he told me that this was in his past life, but before I know it, he's doing that again. He continued to do these things and, and he was lying. He lied to me until they told me no. He's, he's, adopted, he's from an adopted family. So before his adopted family now told me no, that he only completed his primary school. So you 
had so you were having a second when did you know he told you that he used to be a junkie he used to be a this he used to be a that fine but when did you know that he still took drugs he still was a junkie was it before the pregnancy no, or after, after 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 i was pregnant and have given birth that was when i when i when i knew when because i now asked because we want to come to uk because we have we have reported to the embassy again after i gave birth to my new newborn baby they arranged again with my husband then they now put my husband since he doesn't want to help my husband joined the group and they agreed to put me in mental hospital and take my newborn baby away from me then i had cesarean operation my first cesarean operation they took away my newborn baby using anti terrorist police police to come and arrest me in the in the home where i'm renting in poland i'm the one who's renting the home and paying for it okay hana so i hope that you understand that this is a just i know that you do but i'm just saying it in the recording as opposed to saying it before I hope that you understand and that you are aware that everything you're saying can and will be investigated yeah. by the United Nations which means that any organization any person in the right place can decide to ask for all these documents that you founded this foundation yeah. and that you studied in this university yeah. and that this and this and this happened because I know that many people are probably listening and going this is a little too untrue to be yeah. true but that's why I'm letting you know in the recording now that this could definitely potentially happen either way if we go to the European Union Council they will do their investigation if we write the permanent representative they definitely have to check the Polish system to see that yes you are this person and all these things that you're mentioning now did happen in the system and before i knew it my husband has already started calling me his slave he calls me said you are my slave you are my husband says that i am his slave i am slave of the british people i am slave in in nigeria anywhere i go you will remain a slave that's what he tells me anywhere you go hana you will remain a slave you are my slave you are the slave of british people because of nigerian history of slavery then he uses it as well he will say anywhere you go including nigeria you remain a slave that's what he says to me so and he will call me monkey and the doll baby that i bought for my newborn baby uh, that is black doll because i'm trying to use it to do integration for her she calls that doll baby that black doll baby a, a monkey so you didn't realize that this man that you're with is a racist white supremacist useless imbecile of a man but you no no but you didn't realize no, that I didn't he realize initially initially he was behaving like a good man initially he was behaving like a good man told me that in his past life this happened that happened but it's no more happening because he wanted to marry me by by himself so i didn't force him and uh, i took him that it was in his past life that anything he was doing was in his past life Okay. That he's a changed person. Okay, so now we are here. You have had your first child. It's been taken away from you. You'll try to go to the UK to make this work. So did you go to your consulate and embassy in yeah. the UK? Yeah, in Poland first. We reported again to the consulate. Uh, the consulate understood what was going on. They knew what what the problem is still. So they told me um, they told me and my husband check what you can do with your husband so that he will understand. So I spoke with my husband. We had family meeting. Even the embassy sent some people to come and represent them uh, uh, in the family meeting. 
So my husband said that he will change, he will start working because he doesn't like to work. I'm the one who works and feeds him and feeds the family and buys his clothes and rents, pays for the rent of the accommodation, only me. So he said he will change when we go to the UK, that he wants us to go to the UK. When we go to the UK, he will start working, he will look for a job. I said, okay, since the UK is a multicultural environment, that is good that we go there. It will be good for our newborn baby. So they returned my newborn baby to me and gave back my newborn baby to me. So we moved to the UK. Once we moved to the UK, some of the people doing this with him told me, one told, wanted to follow us to the UK. I said, no, they cannot follow me to the UK. That I don't want. We need to live a new life. So... They now said they will inform the UK authorities about me that I am mentally ill and unfit to raise a child. So I ignored them. They continued with my husband. My husband was still corresponding with them back to Poland and he started again abandoning the work. Your ex-husband. Yeah, ex-husband. He abandoned his work and started uh, abusing substance as well. Continued what he was doing. Then somehow police got involved when he wanted to run away with my newborn baby. So he wanted to run away with my first child. Police was involved by the hotel where we were staying. They were the ones who told me they need to call the police. They called the police. Immediately the police called him. He told them that he went for a walk with my child because I had gone for, a, for an interview to look for work so that we can, we can have money to eat and rent accommodation in the UK. It's only me who was doing that. So, the reports came, he lied to them that I have mental illness, that, the, that, the, that they should already have the report from UK already, that his mental illness, that she did not go, he did not try to run away with the child, that I'm mentally ill. So he told them this and they carried this on. And uh, before I knew it, they arranged to put me in a mental hospital in UK. And they put me in a mental hospital and he carried my baby, my newborn child, and returned back to Poland. I haven't seen her again till today that I'm telling you this is almost five years. I haven't seen her again. I haven't seen my child again. So in five years, the Nigerian consulate and the Nigerian embassy could not do a damn thing to return your child to you in five years. This is not a matter of me going, oh, I'm a boy and I ended up in trouble and I went to my... And this is a mother and a child. And if... I'm sorry, I'm trying not to get a little angry on this podcast because this is what an embassy and a consulate is supposed to do for their citizens at any moment in time. Especially because I'm speaking now. I'm thinking as a medical practitioner and not as a diplomat. And I know if you are not going to harm your children there's no better place for a child than with it with its mother so i don't know what we need to do but i'm going to let you finish the story so that we finish the recording and the podcasting and we see what needs to be done now because you know what your embassy has not done enough your consulate has not fought enough for you and that is not good enough because all these problems that are going on you're probably not the only nigerian woman this is happening to If they don't start taking drastic action against foreign states, things will never change in Nigeria. And I get angry because I don't care about what what they decide to do in their legislation. But what goes on in Nigeria affects every single black person in every corner of the world. Because it's the largest black 
democracy in the world. It's the largest population of black people in any country. This is why I keep repeating and repeating and repeating to people in your system, in your government, that this has to change. It will change. If I have to sit and wait for another administration to walk in for this to be an implemented situation, it has to be done like this. Because as I'm mentioning again, whatever Nigeria fails to do for its citizens and for its people is on the back of every single black person in this world because it is a duty of your president to ensure that this is not happening to you because you're a black person. It's his one job as a president. It's the one job of a foreign ambassador, a Nigerian ambassador, is to make sure of this because when black people in America are suffering and black lives have to matter and people are saying, go back to where you came from, this is what all those racist people, all those racist people all around the world, this is what they mean. The one black democracy, the one largest black country in the world, they cannot even make it work. So um, what he did, he told me he will use black people to deal with me in England so he got entangled with a black social worker who was helping him. My husband, that has ex-husband, has a black social worker who is helping him, him to be doing these things that he's doing. He is in contact with him, him all, all the time, just like they did to me in, in Poland. So, so, so as time went on, I was scared to be alone. So along the line, I met a Bulgarian man so he was very uh, he was very uh, he, he was very pain it was very painful f- to him to see me in my situation so we promised each other we wanted to be together to to have a family continue living a normal family husband and wife and have uh, children and uh, and help me with my other child who was taken away from me he was helping me he even went to, with me to the police station he contacted missing persons by himself in the UK, this Bulgarian man. He went to police station with me to go and ask them what is happening. So he was helping me. So we decided to have another child. We had a son. When we had this, I had a son with this Bulgarian man. These people who were making this problem uh, connected to Poland in the UK uh, took again and took, took away our son from us and locked my, my Bulgarian partner in prison. In prison, So I had to contact the Bulgarian embassy to help to bring him out with his family. I contacted his family. His family told him to contact Bulgarian embassy. So we had some contacts and Bulgarian embassy helped to bring him out. And there was court section, so he warned the police for locking him up because he was trying to protect me and our baby from these problems when the baby was, uh, our son was giving birth to in the hospital. So uh, the problem did not end until uh, nobody knew what to do because it's too much. Um, my Bulgarians, my Bulgarian partner. Uh, his parents volunteered to come and take our son in the UK from the UK authorities. Then they volunteered and they gave them our son. So our son is now in Bulgaria. I don't have access to him. My partner also doesn't have access to him except that it's his parents that is taking care of him. We continued, we continued looking for how we will still live this life, live life normally without problems. So I had to contact International Child Abduction Unit for Hague Convention 
to return my first child from Poland. They told me they classified the case as parent-child abduction. So they, they tried the case in Poland because I was not available in, to attend courts in Poland. So they didn't return my daughter for me because I didn't attend courts. And they don't know anything about my accommodation situation in, in UK. So we moved, we continued to see how we can live on. We have a third child. I have now a third child with the same Bulgarian man whom I have a son with. Uh, I moved, I, I saw that the case still is lingering. They refused to leave me alone. So I, I ran from, I took um, legal advice from a human rights lawyer in the UK who advised me since I, don't, I, I cannot keep on struggling with the authorities in the UK, I can move to another place and have my third baby. So I moved to Ireland to have my third baby. The authorities in the UK pursued me and informed the authorities in Ireland. They seized up my third baby. So that is the uh, most recent one. She's just nine months. And when I was in, the, when they, 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 they locked me, when I was trying to come to Ireland, they returned me back to Ireland and locked me in mental hospital where injecting me all the time. They're injecting me with all these medications and they are giving me problems mentally as well. These medications are not healthy and they were doing it. I have given birth. My baby has uh, hearing damage in two years and I told them, um, it's, it's not genetic. The light is genetic. I said genes do not demonstrate without any any trigger like environmental factors, chemicals, or drugs. Anything you can take, you take can trigger a gene. So it ha they have damaged my child's hearing. That's the latest one we're in. I'm not with any of my children. They have taken all my children away away from me. And of recent, they are taking me to court. And I don't want to go to court with anybody over my own child. I'm a good mother and I have helped to raise many children up, both in Nigeria, in Poland and UK as a qualified teacher. I'm a qualified Montessorian uh, teacher as well. I have these certificates. I have all of these documents. I have also been a mental health support worker in, in the UK. My father also was a mental health carer as well. So I have been living a responsible life to be facing this kind of difficult situation. I just uh, am grateful that that Mr. Adrian is, is very wise and listening to me and also other people that are listening to me I'm being hopeful that by the grace of God that something can be done so that this can stop with me and my children will return peacefully to me and another person will never face this kind of situation. Thank you.